Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Fringes of the Faith, a podcast dedicated to talking about some of the obscure elements in the Bible and in our Christian faith. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor here at Capstone Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and sitting next to me is, of course, the famous... Oh, yeah. Parky Coburn, Senior oh, Pastor, Capstone yeah. Church. Famous, yeah. How are you today? You know, I'm doing really good, uh, doing great. It's really good to be able to see all you guys uh, out there, those that we can see and those that are listening to us, uh, those that are watching us on is what I'm trying to say. want to wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Hope you have a great one. Yes. And did you know that next week will be our final episode of season two of Fringes of the Faith? November okay. 30th. Yeah, hold your applause out there. <laughs> but no. Yeah, uh, man, I mean, this year has gone by fast. It really but, has. Uh, it really has. Yeah, we'll pick up again next year after the holidays. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm excited about season three. Uh, some of the topics that we'll be discussing are cultural issues of the day, mm-hmm. you know, such as uh, CRT, critical race theory, um, mm-hmm. transgenderism, mm-hmm. cancel culture. Oh, my goodness. Our educational system. Okay. Um, and, you know, other things uh, of the culture that seem to be uh, developing and drawing us even closer to the return of Jesus. Uh, yes, it is. You yes, know, we are, things are rocketing along. Yeah. And speaking of Jesus, you know, we had a, a commenter on our one of our last videos okay. when we were talking about Matthew 24 okay. and, you know, the return of Jesus and the mm-hmm. coming apocalypse. And we had a commenter that asked some really, really valid questions, had some really valid statements uh, to make, uh, which really kind of indicates the kind of opposition that we face in our faith. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, if you think this is okay, Pastor Parkey, mm-hmm. uh, just to use this uh, as kind of a, a learning and a teaching moment about how do we respond to the opposition of our faith. The opposition of our faith. Okay, so you're saying people that don't agree? Yes, people that are opposed to the gospel and that are opposed to Jesus. Okay. And even some that say Jesus was a false prophet. I think it's great because... Um, you know, I love having discourse with people, love talking to people mm-hmm. about the things of the Lord. And, you know, if the gospel uh, can't stand up to a little scrutiny, then then it's not the truth that I believe it is. And and, uh, and so thank you, uh, you know, for for sending in uh, questions and comments, and, and, and uh, we'll be glad to talk a little bit more about things. Yeah, so the the person that commented, they cited several instances where, if you didn't know the Bible, Jesus made statements that allegedly did not come to pass. Okay. And so what I would like to do is take each one of these citations and break them down, because it's very important, I think, to do that, um, to be able to defend the gospel mm-hmm. uh, through intelligent critical thinking. Through truth, yeah. And truth. Well, absolutely truth. But... Most people, they say, well, what is truth? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like Pilate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to arrive at the truth through using our God-given intelligence and critical thinking. How about that? Right. Okay. All right. So as I talked about earlier, we, we were discussing Matthew chapter 24 and the things that Jesus told his disciples about his second coming. We discussed how Jesus was talking about the signs that would precede the establishment of the millennial kingdom. 
All right. And so now let's talk about the claims that Jesus is a false prophet, uh, which would mean he's a liar, basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here is one of the citations. Here's a question. This is a very good question, too, by the way. Uh, we're, I'm not being um, uh, critical of these questions because these are questions that people have. Yeah. They're exactly. legitimate questions. Yeah, they are. And questions are legitimate. And, and you know, if you know the Bible, if you've read the Bible some, and maybe some people listening to us have not really read the Bible at all, and, and it's brand new to you. But, you know, people ask Jesus questions all the time. And, and, uh, and so your questions are legitimate. And uh, so, yeah, man, uh, we'd be glad to talk about questions. Okay, so here it is. Why does Jesus get his words wrong? When he says that the generation he is speaking with will not pass away in Matthew twenty four thirty four, until all things laid out in Matthew twenty four happen, including the mourning of all nations when they see him returning, because he is coming back to judge them. Great question. That's a good question, and I can see how somebody could potentially be confused by that, especially if you pick that that verse out and and not read it in conjunction with the rest of Jesus' discourse there. And, and, and let me say this, too. If you don't understand some of the, 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 the analogies that he's using, mm-hmm. and, and I can understand perfectly why somebody would have that question if they don't understand exactly the analogy maybe that Jesus is using, because he does use some analogy there that, uh, that, that kind of answers that question for you. Yeah, and he also uses the culture of his day yes. uh, that we call idioms mm-hmm. uh, that were you know in the Middle East back then, and some of them still exist today. So you're absolutely right, Pastor. Mm-hmm. It, it matters. I mean, it matters know, to know. Yeah, it does. And you know what? Uh, these these things are a learning uh, process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I myself have been and still and still am. Uh, on a, uh, my own process of learning about things. And Jesus did talk many times uh, about things that were pertinent uh, to, to his day. And if you didn't understand those things, uh, then maybe what he was saying wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But when you do begin to study it and you begin to understand that a little more, then you go, oh, yeah, now I can see what he's saying. Right. So let's break this question down because there's, there's a couple of issues here. Um, the question it regards the generation that Jesus was speaking to that, you know, w- what they're alluding to is they all died, mm-hmm. um, you know, and none of this came to pass. And so first, let's look at the generation that Jesus is speaking to, and let's look at the generation that Jesus is speaking about. Right. Because there are two different things here. Right. Jesus is speaking to his generation when he tells a parable of the fig tree. Mm-hmm. However... The parable itself of the fig tree is about a future generation, Mm -hmm. okay? And we talked about this parable last episode and how it's a prophetic picture of how Israel will become united once again. Um, And and so we know that the fig tree has always been associated with Israel, don't we? Yeah, yeah, it really has. You know, that's uh, a scriptural dynamic, and... uh, uh, you know, that's the, the thing that Jesus throws into the middle of this conversation mm-hmm. that, that adds a little bit of, uh, uh, of parameters 
on what he's saying. You know, he's not yeah. saying, hey, everybody that's listening to me that's alive right now is, uh, you know, is going to still be alive uh, when, when I come again the second time. He, uh, he's talking about a generation that will see, okay, uh, the, a, a rebirth of Israel. Yes, absolutely. That generation. And so, I, you know, I'm assuming, too, that there's a lot of people say, well, how do you know that the fig tree represents Israel? Good and we, question. And again. we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, the scriptural references. Well, I'm going to go through a couple of them. Just, sure. you know, I just want to make sure people understand. So the prophet Hosea, in the book of Hosea, chapter 9, verse 10, says this about Israel's coming judgment for all the evils that they were mm-hmm. committing. He says this. He's speaking on behalf of God, and he says, I found Israel... Like grapes in the wilderness, I saw your fathers as the first fruits on the fig tree in its first season. The first fruits. Now, remember, whenever you're talking about the Bible as well, you know, anytime you see first fruits, that's very, very important in the Bible. And so when he's saying, I saw your fathers mm-hmm. as, as the first fruits like figs, then you know what he's talking about. He's he's making a strong correlation between the roots of Israel and the, and the actual metaphor of the fig tree itself. Yes, and you know it, it's so interesting because even before Jesus died, you know he went uh, he was going down to Jerusalem one day and he saw a fig tree, mm-hmm. and he walked up to it looking for figs. The Bible says he was hungry. This is a great story and didn't find any figs on it, and cursed the fig tree, and the tree withered up at the roots. And it, it was a very, it was, even that thing was metaphorical yes. of, of what was happening with Israel at that time. But yeah, go on and tell us some more things about figs in Israel. Well, God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah yeah, in Jeremiah chapter 24, and, and God shows him two baskets of figs. One basket represents the good figs, Mm -hmm. and the other basket represents the bad figs. God looks at the figs as a representation of Israel, and he tells Jeremiah what he will do for his good figs, the people who are obedient to him. And this is what he says, quote, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, Mm -hmm. meaning the Israelites, Mm -hmm. whom I have sent out of this place for their own good into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he is, he is looking at the basket of good figs, and he's telling Jeremiah, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, these good figs represent the mm-hmm. Israelites who are obedient, and this is what I'm going to do for them. I'm going to plant them. Mm-hmm like you would plant a fig tree. He's going to plant them. Okay, so plant them where? What does that mean? The children of Israel are already existing at this point in time, are already in their land, mm-hmm. okay, and are living there mm-hmm. on a day-by-day mm-hmm. basis. Now, the prophet Jeremiah prophesied before the Israelites were carried away captive due to their disobedience. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so Jeremiah is talking about Israel being returned, Yes. To their land. Even before they're taken away. Even before they were taken away. This, this is, is what would be called a prophecy. It was, a, yes. it was speaking of an event before it happens. And we know it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only through the biblical 
uh, uh, references, but also through other external references oh, as yeah. well. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, historical. Yeah. It's, it's historical. And so one of the things, too, that we have to remember is that the best witness of God's Word is God's Word. Exactly. So if you find uh, things in pairs or more than pairs, then you know that that is a witness to God's Word. Mm -hmm. And so here we have two specific accounts of God using the fig tree as a representation of Israel. Now, since Jesus is Lord, Jesus is using the parable of the fig tree to tell his disciples and every generation since then that when we see the tender fig tree begin sprouting leaves, we can know that summer is near. And if you don't know the parable, I encourage you to go read it or Look back to the last episode, because we talk about mm -hmm. the parable of the fig tree. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, then he says this, in the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he, Jesus, is near at the door. When you see all what things? Hmm. When you see the parable of the fig tree uh, come to pass. When you see Israel go from a tender branch, new, a tender or, or a weak nation, to a branch that's sprouting leaves, which indicates a strong nation. Yeah, a, a, a tender branch. Okay, it's the plant's alive, mm -hmm. but it's 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 not what it will be right. at some point in time as it matures, and uh, and then when it's uh, then but then later it will grow and and be more mature, and its purpose that God has spoken over it will be revealed, okay? What God has said about it will be revealed uh, in its growth and in its time. Yes, and it's in this context, in the context of the parable of the fig tree, that Jesus says, truly I tell you, this generation, which generation? The generation that sees the fulfillment of the parable of the fig tree. Right. That generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Again, all what things? The fulfillment of the parable of the fig tree, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right, so I don't think that there should be any more confusion about which generation that we're... Yeah, I understand. I understand the question, as we said earlier, very, very, very uh, much. I Clearly, I understand the question, but he is uh, so to uh, as to avoid confusion... Mm-hmm. Jesus gives uh, us a snapshot of what time he's talking about. He wasn't talking about the listeners, yeah, the the listeners' generation. Mm -hmm. He was talking about a group of people uh, that will be their generation will be after the restoration of Israel as a as a people as a nation. Mm -hmm. And so we know that he wasn't talking to his generation, the, the listeners uh, uh, at that point. Um, because Israel was not even a sovereign nation at that time. They were under the rule of Rome. Right, exactly. Okay? Nor did they become a sovereign nation until 1948. Right. 1,948 years uh, after, you know, of Gregorian years, per se, right. after the death of Jesus. Right? And we talked about that last week, Pastor Barry. We talked about how in 1948, Israel became... The fig tree with tender branches. I guess 1948 years after the birth of Jesus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anno yeah. Domini. Anno Domini. You got a it. A lot of people, you know, that, that maybe we want to say a little quick something about that. You know, a lot of people see the Gregorian calendar, and they've even tried to take A.D. out of it now, but in all of it, and B.C. and 
you know, AD. But when you see AD, that doesn't mean after death. That doesn't mean years after the death of Jesus. That AD is Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And it's counting from the, the birth of Christ, not the death of Christ. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And so, 1948, Israel becomes a new nation overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Which they, in and of itself fulfilled many prophecies. prophecies. Right. Which you'd have to know the Bible to know that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so as soon as they become a new nation, they're tender. They're new. Mm-hmm. They're a tender branch. Then in 1967, they recaptured East Jerusalem in the Six-Day War. Mm-hmm. Doesn't this indicate now they are much stronger? Yes. It, that, I believe, that year was, was really the fulfillment complete fulfillment of what Jesus was talking about. Because Jerusalem is the city of the king. That's right. And it needed for it, it, it was, its purpose was for the whole city to be underneath the uh, authority of Israel, uh, it, to be in, as part of the nation of Israel, not part of another nation, not, you know, uh, are not under the jurisdiction of another nation. So 67 was really the fulfillment of, of all of those uh, prophecies. So then naturally you would come to the conclusion, the logical conclusion, the, the, the critical conclusion that either 1948 is the tender branch or 1967 as the branch that is sprouting leaves is stronger would be the generation that Jesus is referring to mm-hmm. when he talks about the parable of the fig tree. Yes. That's what I believe. Yeah, and so you know what that means. That means the coming of Jesus is getting very close. Right, exactly. And it will be this generation, in this generation, that Jesus will be very close to returning, even at the door, which is what he says. And when I say coming of Jesus, I want to say the gathering of God's people to him is very, very close, because after that happens, there will be seven more years mm-hmm. of history here on the earth mm-hmm. uh, of God's final dealings with mankind. Yes, and so let's go back up to the, the original question, um, because there's, there's mention here about the mourning of nations, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Until all these things laid out in Matthew 24 happen, including the mourning of all nations when they see him returning because he's coming back to judge them. So when we talk about the mourning regarding the peoples of the earth, all nations mourning when Jesus returns to judge them, this phrase occurs in Matthew 24, verse 30. This is before the parable of the fig tree. This verse describes the sign of the Son of Man appearing in the sky, causing all peoples of the earth to mourn because they will see Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Mm-hmm. It's important to follow the sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason why they're laid out in the order that they're laid out into uh, everywhere in Scripture, because if we start cherry-picking verses and, and mixing up their sequences, then, of course, we can twist the words of the Bible and make it out to be whatever we want it to be. If that's what you do. If that's what your goal is, you know, or you could misinterpret what's being said by accident, you know, uh, and and get things mixed up. Look, guys, I've done that, okay? And, you know, as I've studied apocalyptic scripture, scripture about the end end times, my views, not not my main views, but but specifics have, uh, little specific things have changed over time Mm -hmm. as I've studied more and gotten 
a better understanding of sequencing of events from Scripture, just learning more Scripture. So, yeah, it can happen, and you can mm. just misinterpret things. Yeah. So I think the important lesson in this is that we have to stay true to the context of the biblical story in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Then all of these questions are easily addressed, and they're all in harmony with one another. Exactly. Now, to whoever out there, and I'm not just talking to one specific person, but to whoever out there has struggled with Matthew 24, you're not the first person Mm -hmm. that has struggled with the interpretation of Matthew 24, okay? So, So be encouraged, okay? If you've, if you've misinterpreted or misunderstood some of that, people, many people down throughout history uh, have been seeking and, uh, to find out exactly when and what Jesus was talking about and when. So uh, uh, don't be discouraged about that. Yeah, and you know, as far as Jesus returning on the clouds of heaven and power and great glory, do you remember what happens in Acts chapter 1, around verses 9 through 11? Yeah, he's caught up in the clouds. Yeah, he is. It says this, Now when he, the resurrected Jesus, of course, had spoken these things while they, his disciples, watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, there were two men that stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up for you into heaven will, will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've been told ahead of time, mm-hmm. yeah, that Jesus will return to the earth the same way he ascended from it. Yes, exactly. And this is how the inhabitants of the earth will know it's Jesus, right? Yes. Okay. And that's why they will mourn, because they didn't believe it when they had the opportunity before he had to reveal the truth of his word. Exactly. And mourn... Um, <laughs> How could I say this? Mourning is not you're seeing the event happen and mm-hmm. then you mourn. Mm-hmm. Mourning, unfortunately, sometimes can be after the event has occurred and you go, oh, my gosh, I missed it. Uh, you know what I mean? I, 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 I missed it. I, I didn't want to believe it. I missed it out of unbelief uh, I'm, or whatever. Uh, which is really the only thing that's going to keep you from missing is unbelief. And so, uh, you know, that the morning can, a lot of times, it comes after the event many times. Yep. Has already, has occurred. Right. And so here we have another question. It's, it's all along the same similar lines of thinking that Jesus, what Jesus said hasn't come to pass. And this pertains to Matthew sixteen twenty eight, when according to what the commenter said, Jesus tells the crowd that not all of them will taste death until they see the Son of Man coming. So I want to read this verse, but this time let's read it in context. Yeah, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, Jesus is not talking to a crowd. He's not talking to a big crowd like he normally does in his teachings. He's talking to his disciples specifically. Mm -hmm. Matthew 16, verse 24 says this, Then Jesus said to who? To his disciples. His disciples. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples about the cost of following him. And then at the end of Jesus' comments, he tells his disciples in verse 27, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Mm -hmm. Verse 28, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Who are the ones standing there with Jesus when he says this? They're, they are the disciples, mm-hmm. okay? Um, 
and I hopefully, uh, I mean, I don't have to go through a list of names. I, I hope, but but the twelve are standing there uh, mm-hmm. listening to this mm-hmm. conversation, and he's speaking to them. Yes, he is. And what he tells them is this, and here's where some misinterpretation comes in. What he's telling them is that some of them, some of the disciples, will see Jesus in his kingdom or coming to establish his kingdom, right? Which one is it? Is he saying they're going to see Jesus coming in his kingdom or coming to establish his kingdom? In his kingdom. In his kingdom. In his dominion, in his glory. Yes. Uh, They will see him in his glory is what Jesus is saying to them. That's right. And he says that they will not see death until they see Jesus appearing in his glory or in his kingdom. And that happened just a few days after he said that. Yeah, so that's what we need to do. We need to keep this what he's saying in context by Mm -hmm. continuing to read on, Mm -hmm. uh, because in the very next paragraph, in Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2, it says this, after six days... After six days, Jesus told his disciples, not a crowd, that some of them would not taste death until they see him appearing. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John. Okay, that's some. That's not all. That's right. That's That's three of 12. Mm -hmm. Okay. And led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Mm -hmm. He, Jesus, was transfigured in front of them, and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Hmm. Yeah, so... They didn't see Jesus uh, in an earthly way during those moments. They saw him. They were empowered to see him in his glorious being, okay? And not only did they see Jesus, but they saw some people that had saints that had already died and gone on to heaven being there with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and who were those two? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. One or two? Moses yeah. and Elijah? That's what people say. I have, a different, I have a different uh, perspective on that. Okay. I think it's possibly Enoch and Elijah, because those are the only two men that we know have not tasted death. Could but be, could but be. I'm going to say Moses and Elijah. Yeah. You, yeah. But, you know, uh, so in his kingdom, in his kingdom, there is life in what appears to be death. And so here you see Jesus in his glorified person, not not as the man that's walking around, the son of man walking around on the earth, but in his glorified Mm -hmm. uh, uh, appearance, in his glorified person. And you see saints that have already been alive Mm -hmm. and, and have gone on and are no longer on the earth, they're appearing with him mm-hmm. and speaking to him and talking to him about events yet to come. Right. So this is all, uh, this is not, uh, it, it's a reflection. It's all happening within the kingdom, in his kingdom. It's, it's, it couldn't have, you couldn't have seen that. That's mm, right. Yeah. Okay. If you had not had been given eyes to see what is hit, happening in the unseen realm at that part at that point in time, and to be able to see him in his glory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that wasn't the establishment of his kingdom on the earth, as far as it came and did away with all evil. They were just uh, seeing him in his glory, and that's why it's important to really look at the words that are being used. Um, you know what I'm saying? Because. He didn't. He never said that they would not taste death until he established his kingdom. Right, and you know, in John seventeen, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed to the Father, and he said, "Father, 
uh, I have a desire that these that you have given me would be able to be with me where I am and be able to see the glory that I had with you before I came to the earth. And, and so he speaks of that. Mm-hmm. You know, he speaks of the glory. I have a desire for these to be able to see. And he said, some of you would see that before you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really important when you're reading the Bible, especially the parables and the prophecies of Jesus, to keep it in context, to keep the sequence, to not cherry pick and not twist the words in order to experience the actual truth of the gospel. Because Jesus didn't talk to the crowd. That's twisting his words. He did not tell his disciples that some of them will not taste death until his second coming. Again, that's misinterpretation or or twisting his words. Then six days later, three of his disciples see Jesus appearing in his his kingdom. And that's making sure we keep things in the right sequence. Yeah, uh, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, regardless of if you believe that he was talking to his disciples or a whole bunch of people, he didn't lie. He said, some of you, Mm -hmm. and some did. That's right. There were three that did. Mm -hmm. So it was not a lie. Uh, What he said was going to happen happened six days later after he said it. Right. So let's address another, uh, another citation that was, that was made. And this one has to do with Matthew 10 verse 23. According to the commenter, Jesus tells his disciples that they will not get through all the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The commenter notes that all the disciples are dead and had indeed made it through all of Israel. So, here we go. We need to back up again and talk context. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus summons his disciples and gives them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. Mm -hmm. The Bible names the twelve disciples. Jesus sends them to preach the gospel after giving them some instructions. He tells them what they can expect, which is persecution, right? Mm -hmm. And if you actually read the Bible, especially the New Testament, you'll find that when Jesus talks to his 12 disciples, he's also talking to his future disciples as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because why would he just talk to the 12 and leave it at that when the whole purpose of Jesus' ministry was to spread salvation to the entire world? Well, yeah, and and remember, the disciples were called not just to fulfill their own ministry, mm-hmm. which they had on the earth at that time, but they were called to to be the conduit through which Jesus' teachings would go, and they were the first fruits of many, many people that would follow and and be a part of the fulfillment of all the prophecy that Jesus said. Yeah, and we and we see this in Matthew twenty eight, the Great Commission, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's for all of us. Mm-hmm. That wasn't specific to the twelve. And so Jesus correctly predicts what's going to happen to his twelve disciples. They all face heavy persecutions, most of them to death. Jesus also talks about the future of Israel and that the future disciples will not have convinced all of the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah before his return. So what he's saying is. He's, he's talking about Israel in general, and he's saying that not all of Israel will believe in me as the Messiah before my second coming. Oh, boy. Is that correct? I, we just finished a study of the book of Revelation, and I just finished reading a commentary on the book of Daniel. And, uh, you know, Daniel has always been a fascinating book to me because mm-hmm. there's been many things in Daniel that I wanted to be sure I understood correctly. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Israel, 
Israel, the hardness of Israel does not break until Jesus returns the second time, Mm -hmm. not the rapture. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about when Jesus returns to the earth the second time. That is when, you know, finally they say all Israel is saved at that point in time. Yeah, so I think the commenter is... Boy, there's a lot of other things we could say about that, but we're just going to leave it at that right now. Yeah, so I think when the commenter is saying that, you know, the disciples are dead and they actually did make it through all the cities of Israel, you know, maybe they did. Maybe they actually got to speak the gospel throughout all the towns of Israel, but that's not the context and that's not what Jesus means here. What he's saying is that not all of Israel will believe before my second coming, and you just, you know, made a very good point about that, so... Uh, one more. Okay. One more. Our commenter made references to Mark 14, verse 62, when according to the comment, Jesus tells Caiaphas that he will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. The commenter points out that Caiaphas died in approximately 45 A.D. Okay. Well, look, sometimes when Jesus says you, or, or, or whatever, he, he's not using that. And you can go back in the original language and you can look at that. He's not necessarily saying the people that are listening to me. He's talking about uh, either a specific people group mm-hmm. or he's talking about mankind in general. And so uh, Caiaphas, he's not necessarily saying, hey, Caiaphas, you, uh, you know, you personally will not see me. You know, he's talking about, uh, uh, you know, his people, Israel, Mm -hmm. at that point in time. Because Caiaphas was a representative. That's right. See, remember in the Bible, representatives are are huge. Mm -hmm. Okay? They're, they're, They're huge. They don't only represent themselves, but they represent their rule. Mm-hmm. When in the Bible, when it talks about a, a kingdom, it's not just talking about a big group of people or a nation. It's talking about it's used in the Bible oftentimes interchangeably with the king. It was hard to separate the king, the the federal head over that nation, in a biblical sense, from the the kingdom that he ruled. Whenever God was talking about the king or the kingdom, he was actually he used those interchangeably many times because he was talking about the same thing. He's talking about that person, mm-hmm. okay, or the the and or the group of people that he represented. Mm-hmm. So Caiaphas was the 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 representative, the religious representative of God for the nation of Israel. So when Jesus is saying, you will not see me again, he's speaking to the entire nation of Israel. He's speaking to the representative and saying, you represent this group of people. This group of people has rejected me. And so they will not see me again until these events take place. Yeah, and in Mark 14.62, like you said, Jesus is responding to Caiaphas when when. Caiaphas, as the representative of Israel, asks Jesus specifically, are you the Messiah? And so now it's not Caiaphas asking if Jesus is the Messiah. It is the representative of the entire nation of Israel asking this question. Yeah, now, and you you somebody saying, oh, come on, man, I don't believe that. I can hear somebody out there thinking that. Listen, we have representatives in our in our government today that represent the United States. We have representatives. We re, we elect representatives to 
to carry out our wishes. Okay, so the same thing happens today. Okay, so basically a, a policy or a decision that's made by one of our leaders, okay, uh, represents the will of the people. Uh, maybe not all the people, but, but the general uh, uh, consensus and desire of the people. Mm -hmm. Because Caiaphas, uh, you, you know, he just didn't act arbitrarily. He, they went and went, you know, if you want to believe this, they paid off a bunch of people to, you know, to come alongside them and convince Pilate that that wasn't an arbitrary decision being made by one man, Caiaphas, to kill Jesus, that that was the will of Israel. You know right. what I'm saying? Exactly. When they said crucify him, when Pilate brought him out and said, behold the man, here he is, I find no fault in him. Caiaphas didn't want it to appear like it was only him mm -hmm. making an arbitrary decision because he knew Pilate probably wouldn't bow to that. But he wanted it to see that it was the will of Israel, mm -hmm. the majority of Israel that that happened. Well, we have those same things going on with yeah, us. We have governors that represent the state of Texas. We have uh, administrations that represent us worldwide. Mm -hmm. That speak on our behalf. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. that, that are supposed to be carrying out the will of the majority of the people. That's right. But let's just take a position real quick. Let's assume that Jesus is talking specifically to Caiaphas, okay? Don't you think that one day when Jesus returns, Caiaphas, even though his physical body might be dead, will see the one he sentenced to death sitting at the right hand of God? And I'm not putting anybody out there down, but I do think that's part of the misunderstanding of, 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 of biblical ideas and thoughts. Mm -hmm. See, when people die, that does not mean that they cease to exist. Right. Okay, they may not be alive on the earth any longer. But uh, but the the Bible talks about this great cloud of witnesses mm -hmm. in uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter twelve, I believe it is, isn't it twelve? Yeah, I think. If I'm wrong, we'll go with that. If I'm wrong, let me know. Okay, I, I don't have my Bible right in front of me, but it talks about a great cloud of witnesses, mm -hmm. and and it's not just talking about people on the earth, but it's talking about humanity as a whole. Mm -hmm. Uh, or a specific group of people that includes people that have gone on and people that are still alive, but of a specific group. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, if you, if you remember, too, in Judaism, they believe in a place called Abraham's bosom, mm -hmm. which is where you go after your death, your physical death. You go to Abraham's bosom, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of described as paradise. Um, so perhaps Caiaphas is there in that place. I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think outside outside the box and maybe think of, from a Jewish perspective, and he still will see Jesus face-to-face -face, <laughs> sitting at the right hand of God. So either way, Caiaphas, mm -hmm. whether, whether Jesus is talking specifically to him, he will one day see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, or if he's talking to the entire nation of Israel, he still will one day see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. So it's, it's kind of one of those cyclical arguments, so... Yeah, yeah, I remember that in the biblical idea and framework, and which is the truth, uh, people that die don't, like I said, they, they're not annihilated. They don't cease to exist. People that have already gone on and people that are still here are going to be able to witness the fulfillment of God's Word. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we can't get caught up in our Western understanding of Middle Eastern uh, culture and language. So the phrase coming with the clouds doesn't always mean returning. It means 
appearing with the clouds or on the clouds. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We have to be careful about, uh, about how we interpret or try to understand the words. And it really helps if you have a concordance and you go through and you start looking at the original language. I mean, that would be my recommendation for anyone that has questions yeah. uh, about this. I don't have an accordion. Did I say accordion? No, no, you said concordance. I'm oh, just okay. trying to lighten the mood up a little bit. <laughs> okay. So it, there, there's one more interesting scripture that our commenter recites in order to condemn Jesus as a false prophet, and it's Deuteronomy 18, 20, 22, which says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a message the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Now, I'd have to take some liberty here and say that if this is the case about Jesus, if you're pointing out Jesus, and and a lot of people are not throwing stones, Mm -hmm. I'm not condemning anybody, but if this is a a lot of people in Judaism believe this, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. So if that's the case about Jesus, who has not ever been wrong about any of his predictions, then how are we to deal with the other prophets of the Old Testament who prophesied about Jesus being the Messiah? I mean, you've got Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Read Isaiah 53. Read Isaiah 53. Yeah. Uh, tell us who Isaiah is talking about. Mm-hmm. Who in the existence of history has fulfilled that prophecy to the letter? You know, I've been to Israel. Uh, s- several times, and one of the the things that you you hear when you get to Israel is you know they have rabbinical schools there still, and the rabbis teach their young learners, their young disciples, uh, and and begin to to grow them you know in, in the traditional teachings of traditional Judaism, and they had there were there have been so many of the young disciples of these rabbis coming to them and, and questioning Isaiah 53 mm-hmm. and saying, Rabbi, uh, this sure looks like this is Jesus. So much so that, you know, the rabbi's answer to that was finally is, is well, just don't even read it. You know, don't read Isaiah 53. Just ignore that. <laughs> and so here you're, you're having Israelis who for thousand a couple of thousand years are trying to find ways to discredit Jesus as Messiah mm-hmm. who are finally at the place where they're saying just don't read that mm-hmm. close your eyes just close your eyes to it and what's funny is that they don't believe it they just don't believe it and why why is that they, yeah yeah I mean well, John, they don't they don't want to believe it yeah John 1.11 tells us, it says, He was in the world, Jesus was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets of God called out Israel for being stiff-necked, unbelieving, unrepentant, narcissist. And because of that, they killed the prophets. And so it's, it's interesting to me how we're going to rely on the prophets that our ancestors killed to disprove their own prophecies about the Messiah. It just doesn't, I, there's no way for me to reconcile that in my brain. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they killed those prophets, 
you know, not because their message was untrue, mm-hmm. but very simply because they didn't want to hear it. Right. They didn't want to. They didn't want to have to deal with it. So mm-hmm. uh, they didn't kill them as being false prophets. They right. they killed them uh, not because their message was a message of conviction of change. You know, mm-hmm. of needed change. Uh, and and it, it, you know, when you're convicted, when all of you out there that are watching or listening are convicted, you have a choice to make. Mm-hmm. And you can either choose to believe what you're being shown, or you can reject it. And, and you know, how many of you guys out there have rejected something you knew to be true, but you didn't want to, to come underneath its authority, or you just didn't want to do it? You may have known it's true. Think about your parents. Think about the things they told you that were true. Mm-hmm. But at the time in your life, you were like, I just don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Mom's... That's right, but I just don't want to do it. And so you rebelled against it. That's what Israel was doing. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that, like I said, when, when people who deny that Jesus is the Messiah, when they use the Old Testament, I should say they twist the Old Testament to prove their point, when in reality they're using the very thing they don't believe to discredit the very thing the Old Testament was pointing to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be so confusing if, when you, if you just read it as it is, and just let the truth set you free from all that, from all that confusion. And so this is why Jesus told his actual generation, the generation who lived when Jesus was crucified, that they'd be held accountable for the blood of the innocent, from Abel to Zechariah. Mm -hmm. Now this time Jesus is talking about that specific generation, Mm -hmm. and only that one. (laughs) Yeah, because he, Jesus talked, when he was coming down the Mount of Olives into the entry into Jerusalem in his, the final week of his life before his resurrection, Jesus cried over Israel. Mm-hmm. And the reason he was crying, he wasn't afraid or anything, but he was crying because he said, this was your day of visitation. Mm-hmm. This was the day that I presented myself to you. This was the fulfillment of so much prophecy. And 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 he said, you you did not open your heart to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, you're right. That, that generation, while we're all going to be judged according to what we knew and how we responded to the truth, that generation was a generation that was alive at the time that Jesus presented himself mm-hmm. there as the fulfillment of all the prophecies. So there is an extra... There is. There is an extra judgment on that according to what role they had to play in, in the history of the Lord's uh, presenting himself. Mm-hmm. And so the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Hmm. Well, that's all good stuff. I just want to say thank you yes. uh, to the person that presented uh, these questions. And if you have any more, please send them on. Uh, I understand. I like questions, and I like to sit down and and think about things along with you. And so please, uh, you know, if you have any, send them along. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much to the person that that, that made these comments. We appreciate it. Yeah, just know that, uh, you know, we love you. And and you've said it before. Well, how can you say that? You don't even know me. I don't have to know you. Um, you're you're, You're a creation of God. See, we're we have a spiritual part of us. Mm-hmm. 
And the spiritual part of us is able to be in contact with the Holy Spirit. If, you're, if you have asked Jesus to come into your heart and his spirit to dwell within you. And guys, this, you may not understand this completely because you may not have experienced it. But we're able to, because of that connection, we're able to feel the heart of God, the heart that he has for you. Mm-hmm. I'm able to feel that. Mm-hmm. And, and it moves me. You know, sometimes I, I, in different situations, I feel the heart that God has for someone that I'm talking to or somebody I'm interacting in, and I feel that. I feel that today. And uh, the Lord loves you, mm-hmm. and uh, he's yeah. not intimidated by your struggle, and he's not put off by your struggle. So uh, just keep asking him to reveal him, the truth yes. to you. Just keep asking him, and he will. Yes, he will. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope to see you next week for our final episode of Season 2 of Fringes of the Faith. Yeah, and and one last time, Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. We just pray that you have a really blessed time. Remember to stay in the Word, to stay alert, and be not deceived. Bye-bye, y'all. We love you. God bless you. Bye-bye.